Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in their faith through the study of God's Word. No matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you haven't had any at all, we are grateful to be on the journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. Well, Jan, can you believe this is our last lesson in this year's study of the Holy Spirit? How are we going to wrap it up today? Well, no, I can't believe it's our last lesson in the Holy Spirit. And the good news about it is we can wrap up the study, but we don't wrap up the Holy Spirit. So we'll continue on experiencing all the things that he has for us and wants us to study. Um, We do have a great lesson today that is rooted in the agricultural imagery that is so prevalent in the Bible. But before we get to that, I would like to take the time to respond to a couple of questions people have asked me in the past several weeks I've just been kind of keeping a list right okay so we can think of this part as the odds and ends podcast okay or the important questions podcast however you want to look at it and the first question involves the unforgivable sin Ah. mark 3 28 through 29 Jesus says I tell you the truth all the sins and blasphemies of people will be forgiven them But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That person is guilty of an eternal sin. Mm. Now that is heavy. That is heavy. That's weighty. So what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. If you take the immediate context of Jesus' comment, um, it, it indicates that anyone who attributes the Spirit's work to Satan is committing blasphemy okay but if you back up half a step it has a little bit bigger meaning Um, because the holy spirit is the spirit of truth the unforgivable sin is the conscious and hardened resistance to the truth Hmm. in other words when you continually and stubbornly reject the work and the testimony of the spirit about the identity of jesus that's the unforgivable sin Now, there is nothing we can say or do that God can't forgive except the persistent, repeated, stubborn, willful rejection of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this is a sin that's not committed once Mm -hmm. and never again. It's a sin that is built brick by brick by brick when you refuse to admit who Jesus is. That said, a Christian, therefore, can't commit the unforgivable sin because the Spirit's already opened the eyes of their hearts to see and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, Jan, I'm glad you're addressing this question because it's one that I hear fairly often. So basically what you are saying is that if you can ask, have I committed the unforgivable sin? You haven't. Exactly. Because if you're asking, it means that you have a heart for Jesus. You're concerned. You believe in him and you don't want to somehow move away from him. Mm -hmm. And if you had committed the unforgivable sin, you wouldn't ask the question because you wouldn't care because you wouldn't have Jesus in your life. You wouldn't be a believer. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, just asking the question about blaspheming the Holy Spirit means you have a soft and repentant heart. So if you're worrying about it, you can quit worrying because you don't have anything to worry about. That's good. Right? Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Um, 
Okay, second question is about grieving the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. grieving. In Ephesians 4.30, Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he goes on to give examples of things that grieve the Spirit, like bitterness and rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, my personal favorite, unwholesome talk. Mm -mm. Uh, Basically, anything that tears down and harms the body of Christ, anything that hurts our particular community. Because we are all in Christ, whenever I see you or Shannon or Laura or Meredith or Trey, who records for us every week, (laughs) bless his heart, I see Christ. Mm. So if I do something that hurts a fellow believer, I hurt Jesus too. Mm. And the Spirit grieves over that action or that harmful thought. So we are to live as one body, as you said last week, building each other up and not tearing each other down because that hurts Jesus and that grieves the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what a different world we would live in if we Mm. could follow that one rule, build up, don't tear down? You know, obviously that's not something we can do on our own power. So once again, we go back to the point of this entire study this year, which is that the Holy Spirit is here with us, within us, to equip us to live how we were created to live. When we do that, we will not grieve the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And may the Spirit put a guard on all of our tongues Yes, uh, to build up and not tear down. Okay, the third question was about quenching the Spirit. It's a little bit related, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit different. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. That's King James. Uh, another translation said, do not put out the fire of the spirit. And another one says, don't suppress the spirit. Mm -hmm. The title of our study, as you know, this year is wind and fire, the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Now we have learned in the past that the movement of the spirit is powerful. And as a result, it can feel pretty risky Mm -hmm. at times. When the spirit is free to move, there will be change. And change often scares us. You know, there's, there's that saying, better the devil we know than the devil we don't know. Right. As much as we love to think we are eager risk takers, most of us really prefer to default to the familiar. Yeah. So when the spirit is at work and we resist, we can throw cold water on that fire. So, for example... A friend of mine, this makes me so sad I may cry, a friend of mine had not had her whole family together for Christmas in many, many, many years. And so this last Christmas she did, and she got them all together for dinner, and she Mm -hmm. planned, and she decorated, and did the meal, and it was really special, and everybody was having a good time. Well, at some point, one of the granddaughters got up to clear the table before dessert, Mm -hmm. and my friend immediately reprimanded her for not asking permission to leave the table i know when i heard that my gut just groaned for that child the spirit was at work forming a servant's heart and yet those words quenched something in that young girl's spirit Mm -hmm. and frankly in my friend's heart too just put out the fire it's so sad Yeah, this does sound like it goes hand in hand with the greeting of the Spirit. If we focus on building up instead of tearing down, 
then we won't quench the spirit. Right. You know, there's an, an awareness that comes with this. There is an active looking for what the spirit is doing and encouraging it in others. You know, imagine how it would have gone if your friend had thanked her granddaughter for being so helpful. Mm. Instead of quenching her spirit, she could have strengthened it. Absolutely. And and I know, and I have been praying that the Lord will use that incident for good in both of those lives, mm-hmm. um, or at least give them a do-over where they can try it right. again and get it better. Mm. Um it just is sad to me, but we so frequently can do that yeah. when we just quench the spirit, and that does grieve him. Okay, we have a last odd and end, and we've touched on this before, but it bears pondering some more. In other words, how does the Holy Spirit communicate? How do you know the Spirit is speaking to you? Oh, okay. Well, obviously, the first thing is that you have to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You have to ask for open ears and open eyes. And then you have to listen and you have to look. (laughs) There is a quiet surrender that is part of this, at least in my life there is. Oh, I think everybody. Until I stop everything and spend some time waiting, I will never hear him. I am constantly having to remind myself that there is never anything that I can do that is more important than spending time quietly with him. Yes, it's it's like any other relationship. As the relationship develops, we will recognize the voice of the Spirit more and more easily, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So let's give some really specific examples. Um, I thought of one that happened actually just the other day where I was in my quiet time and the same message appeared in a couple of different devotionals and then in a scripture. So... God doesn't really need to repeat himself, mm-hmm. but when he does, I pay attention because that's the Holy Spirit saying something to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, that happened to me this morning. I know, all the time. Yeah. So I will say that if I've been praying about a decision and then I suddenly have peace about it, no matter whether that decision has been made or not, that's mm. when I know I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Peace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you've experienced this one, which is you're just going along down the road, minding your own business, and some person just comes randomly to mind mm-hmm. um, and keeps coming back to mind uh, and until I'm prompted to take some action. Another one closely related to that is when I hear something and my heart starts pounding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. Holy Spirit going, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're supposed to do something, Jan. Yeah. You know, often in my voice, it's in my life, it's the voice of someone and, or it could even be a stranger. It can be Mm -hmm. a friend. It can be a stranger. It can be a family member. God uses other people to confirm or deny. And, you know, they don't have to know what it is that the decision is that I'm trying to make or or where I'm trying to go. They don't have to know the particulars. The Holy Spirit is in charge of that. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit will often put the words in their mouth that I need to hear when they don't even know that they're giving them to me. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Those kind of random encounters. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I have another one and it's because I do not have the spiritual gift of mercy that you talked about last week. Uh That's not one of my spiritual gifts. I don't have, as I refer to it, the spiritual gift of tears. Um, so for me, I know the Spirit speaking to me when I cry oh. because I don't, I'm not moved to tears very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a song, a hymn, a sermon, a piece of art, being out in nature and just seeing how God's lavish love is poured over us in that mm-hmm. or, or praying with my husband. I mean, that frequently moves me to tears because my 
heart just wells up with gratitude or joy or even conviction. So if I'm crying, it's because the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Right, right. Well, this last one that I want to talk about is kind of in line with today's lesson. You know, I'm mm. sure the Holy Spirit is speaking to me when Jesus is exalted and lifted up, not me. In other words, it's not my desires that are being fulfilled, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that results. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited because the Spirit's vocabulary is infinite. Mm-hmm. And he chooses the best way to communicate in the language that each of us individually understands and and kind of is tuned to. Mm-hmm. So the encouragement there is to be on the lookout and become fluent mm-hmm. in that language. Okay, now we can turn our hearts and minds, finally you're probably thinking, to today's lesson, which is about the fruit of the Spirit. That agricultural image teaches us so much about our life in Christ. I'm going to restrain myself and confine myself to three points, but there's a lot in that uh, metaphor. And I want to start off by saying that I love fruit. It's one of my favorite food groups. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see it, touch it, smell it, taste it. It, It's good for you. It's good for the whole world. It's nutritious. You know, I love fruit. So Lynn, what is your favorite fruit? Um, right now, my favorite fruit is blackberries. You know, I like that they all have a slightly different taste. Some of them are very sweet and others are kind of tart. Mm-hmm. They're one of my favorites, but I have lots of favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one right now I'm thinking about is a summer ripe Fredericksburg peach. Oh, yeah. Oh, that you can just smell and taste it. My mouth is starting to water. I love it. So think of your favorite fruit and hold on to that. Okay. Because we're going to come back to it. All right. All right, now we're going to turn to the scriptures. We find this passage in Galatians 5, 13 through 25. Paul's writing a letter. Um, and he begins this passage of his letter with a reminder that we are called to be free in Christ, as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. To serve one another in humility, uh, to humbly use our spiritual gifts we receive from God, and to love one another. And all of that, if we're doing all of that, that means we're walking by the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. When we are not walking by the Spirit, our selfish desires and our pride lead us to live a life contrary to the one the Spirit would lead us into. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're opposites. Now, we do not need to go into all the desires of the flesh today. We know them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Some of them are obvious. Uh, each person has a particular favorite one that mm-hmm. they don't want to uh, get rid of. But we also know what results from living in our own strength and for our own desires in the ways of the flesh. And that is nothing good. Yeah, right? Nothing good is right. <laughs> I make all the wrong choices when I focus on what I want. Oh, exactly. Pride gets mm-hmm. in the way. Yep. Okay, so then Paul shifts to the contrast of living by the Spirit with that great word, but. Mm. Um, there are a couple of things to notice. I've learned these lessons at my time in our garden. Mm-hmm. Lynn, I know you know them every year when you work in that beautiful yard mm-hmm. of yours. So we're going to start off with three things. One is that fruit identifies the plant. Yes. Um, an apple tree is not going to produce pears. Mm-hmm. A thistle will not bloom to be a tulip. Mm -hmm. And by the same token, a 
pecan tree will produce pecans. It's if a tree has pecans on it, ipso facto, it is a pecan tree, right? Right. right. So fruit is very important in revealing the nature of the plant. Okay. That's the first thing. Second thing is the fruit indicates that the plant is alive. That may sound a little strange, but after our freeze of last year, Mm -hmm. I was so concerned that all of our trees were dead because they were late coming out. But the plant can appear dead, but given time and, you know, things thaw out, if the plant's alive, it's going to start showing green and budding and fruit will eventually come, right? Mm -hmm. If the plant's dead, it's dead. Yes. There will be no fruit. That's right. So you can tie peaches to a tree, but it doesn't make the tree alive if the tree is dead, okay? (laughs) So the production of fruit is important because it indicates that there is a life flowing inside that plant. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's number two. Indicates the plant's, identifies one, indicates the plant's alive too. Three, fruit comes. It is the result of the plant just being the plant. No effort is required. The plant can't cause just the right amount of rain or sun. It can't move to a nicer spot. It depends on the nutrients in the soil around it. It can't produce more fruit by working harder. Okay, I want to say that again Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm looking you in the eye. The plant can't produce more fruit by working harder. Mm -hmm. If it's in its nature, the plant will produce fruit. It's inevitable. Thank you, Jan. I needed that (laughs) reminder today. We all need that reminder all the time, (laughs) I think. Um, All of those three points apply to us. Um, Now, this is kind of a way of definition. The fruit of the Spirit is the essence of God's character. Remember two years ago, we studied the attributes of God, yeah. and last year was the attributes of Jesus. Well, the fruit is the quality of those attributes that he wants to reproduce in us. In other words, it's his own personality. That's right. what the fruit of the Spirit is. And as you noted last week, it's fruit, singular, mm. not plural. It it may have nine different flavors or smells, but it's one fruit Mm -hmm. maybe a better analogy is like it's like facets of a diamond Mm. different sides of it Mm -hmm. but it's all a diamond now what are they love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there's an important distinction here we have all of them or none of them, Mm. right? You can't have some without the others because it's one fruit. Right, yeah. So it's all of them. Now, unlike the spiritual gifts that we studied last week that are portioned out to believers in, in such a way that no one individual has all the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit is a new reality, that God intends for every single follower of Christ to experience fully. Why? Because it is the essence of his son's character. That is what he is about. Mm. So let's go back to those three points. Points one and two. Like in a garden, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence. 
it identifies us. It, it identifies us as God's own children. Mm-hmm. And it also indicates life. If we are spirit-filled, we are alive in Christ. So it's evidence of life. Have you ever wondered if you're alive spiritually? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Don't answer that question. Okay. Uh, you are. You are if you are bearing the fruit of God's character. Okay. That's the evidence that God is alive in you, uh, both today and in the future, in the day of judgment. Mm. Okay. The 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 evidence is not going to be that we were successful or that we said we believed mm-hmm. or or that we had the right doctrine or we had a great ministry or we had lots of friends who were Christians. That's not the evidence. The evidence that God is alive in us is and will be that we bear the fruit of God's character. Oh. Jan, I think most of us look for proof that we are doing things right. And that list of fruit is proof that it's not what we do, but it's who we are. Exactly. Does our character reflect who we belong to? You know, I'm always fascinated to see traits of parents show up in their children. You know, whether it's the tilt of a head or a crooked grin, a distinctive laugh, or even a way of walking. There are things that are replicated just because a parent and a child spend so much time together. It's, you know, so often not an intentional imitation, but rather something that happens without effort. And that's what we should have if we are in that intimate relationship with, with our creator. His character should rub off on us. We should start looking more and more like him mm-hmm. every single day. Yes. And, and I've had that experience. I will never forget the day that I opened my mouth to say something and my mother came out. Oh, yeah, we've all done it. (laughs) The older I get, the more like her I become, and hopefully the more like Christ I become too. Um, Okay, then we go back to point three. Fruit is not something we work hard for and produce on our own. Mm. So we cannot just try hard and produce those character traits independent of God. Fruit is the result of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and working from the inside out Mm -hmm. to make us fruitful. So fruit develops only in the context of a living relationship with God. Remember what Jesus said, um, I am the vine and you are the branches. Mm -hmm. He said that in the Gospel of John. He said we are meant to be grafted into him in a way that gives us life and true life. I read a quote by Dallas Willard one time, and I loved it. He said, um, the point of all of this is not to act differently, but to become different in our inner being. In other words, we don't just try to be nicer versions of our old selves. You know, I can do that for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but But the point is that the Holy Spirit transforms us to be more and more like Christ. And he does that by developing the fruit of Christ's character within us. Okay. So fruit is a given for the Christian, but you know, there's a, but, Oh yes, it takes time. Like any farmer or any gardener, uh, will tell you water, sun and nutrients are essential, but so is time. Mm -hmm. Fruit is not produced overnight. 
it is a gradual process, you know, and it's it's exciting when you see those little buds coming and you mm-hmm. see that tiny little baby fruit in there and you, you like to watch it grow. It's very exciting. Um, Thomas Merton emphasized this in a quote. He says, how does an apple ripen? It just sits in the sun. <laughs> so if we have genuinely entrusted our lives to Christ, our lives will bear the fruit of Christ's character. It takes a while mm-hmm. because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We just have to sit in the sun, S-O-N. S-O-N, yes. Right? But if we're truly connected to God, it's impossible not to produce fruit. Well, Jan, this just makes me want to cry with relief, <laughs> you know, as a self-imposed doer. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just such a blessing to think that it's not up to me. You know, it's not up to what I think needs to be done. It's about resting in Jesus mm-hmm. and letting him flow out of me. Mm-hmm. And it is such a relief. It is. To, to know that. Um, you know, we all want our lives to count for something, both yes. here and now and eternally. Absolutely. And part of the good news is that the Holy Spirit is in charge of our fruit crop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just continue abiding in Jesus. We believe in his promises. We say yes to him when the Holy Spirit pokes us. We follow where he leads. And we can rejoice in the fact that God is in control, that we don't have to force that. The Holy Spirit will produce Christ's character in us. Mm. Now, there are risks involved in abiding in Christ and letting the Spirit reorder our internal lives, as you know. Uh, We have to let go. Mm -hmm. We have to trust. We have to embrace the different. Mm -hmm. We have to embrace not being in control because those of us who are control freaks and doers Mm -hmm. like to be doing something Mm -hmm. and being in control, and we can't be we can't be in right. part of this process. It's also uh, can be a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. because there's some aspects of our lives that are like weeds. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's going to pull them out and toss them away. Mm. The Spirit will also prune us, not for the sake of pruning, but so that we will be more fruitful. Right. And pruning is painful Mm -hmm. because the spirit will cut off things from us that we think are essential, but that he knows need to go out of our life. And so it's a little bit risky. Um, I was reading something the other day and it quoted GK Chesterton. And this was just an interesting thing for me to think about. So Jesus promised his disciples three things that they will be completely fearless Mm -hmm. Abundantly happy mm-hmm. and in constant trouble. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so when we are living by the Spirit, we are not going to fit in with those people who are not living by the Spirit. Hmm. Right? Right. And so if you're not kind of in trouble a little bit, uh-huh. you, you may need to sit down and have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Those times when we don't fit in, because everybody wants to fit, uh-huh. Uh, they can be uncomfortable because other people will not understand. They'll be confused. They may be threatened by the reflection of Christ that they see in us. But that brings us back to the fruit that we identified at the beginning. Remember what we talked about? Mm-hmm. You may be 
the fragrant, tasty fruit that nourishes the soul and that others want, even if they don't know why. Oh. Even if they don't know why. Yeah. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is intended to do. Yeah. Okay. It's time to leave our friends with a couple of questions. Okay. I, this is going to be an exercise in humility. You know, so often we don't see ourselves clearly because we see what we want to see or we want to see what we want to be like. Mm. So I want to encourage you to find someone who you trust to be completely honest with you and to ask them to help you to see what needs to be pruned from your life. And what you may need a little extra attention to help you flourish mm-hmm. in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You can always ask your kids or your grandkids. Oh, yeah. you know, they usually see us pretty clearly. They do. <laughs> um, but, he, but here's one of those times where you need a friend who has the spiritual gift of prophecy. Yeah. Who can see in black and white and tell you the truth. You don't want too many of those friends. No, no. But you, everybody does need one. It's also the value of the thing we've talked about over and over again is having a small group of people who know you really yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, that's very helpful in this process. Um, okay, mine is a little bit like that, but, but a little bit different. It's just to think about a person or people in whom you see the Spirit developing this eternal fruit. Hmm encourage them by sharing your insights and observations you know we've said people see in us the things that we cannot see mm-hmm. so you will see in somebody ah. part part of this fruit yep Lift them encourage up. them encourage by saying them. that absolutely you know think how much we have grown in patience over yeah. the last two years right or maybe not but we should <laughs> okay so in whom do you see the spirit developing eternal fruit and encourage them by sharing your insights and observations Okay, we have come to the point where it's time to say so long for now, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we hope that all of our listeners will join us again in September when we will jump off into the very heart of the Bible. Come and see. Oh, can't wait. Until next fall.